Today's Old Testament reading comes from Psalm 51, verses 10 to 13, and can be found on page 573 of the Church Bibles. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. This is the word of God. Today's New Testament reading comes from Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning to all. I guess you can hear me. Yes. Okay. I pray the peace and the joy of our Lord Jesus Christ be with all of us this morning. It's wonderful to hear these uh, testimonies of missionaries going out. And I've been asked to speak about missions this morning. I'm happy to be back at IPC. It's been a while. I think I had dark hair <laughs> last time I was here. I've told uh, I have uh, little time, but uh, somebody mentioned four hours. I won't take four hours, but how many give me five minutes? Five minutes. Is that enough? Raise your hand if you give me at least five minutes. Raise your hand. Please raise your hand. Okay. Five, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 40. I think about a, an hour. It's good enough. Yes. Uh, uh, greetings from my wife and our church in Malaga, Spain. I'm originally from Puerto Rico. Uh, I come here via Malaga, Spain, where my wife and I have served as missionaries, uh, not only to Spain, but also Europe in 33 different countries in Europe, uh, by God's grace, in the past uh, almost 18 years. And um, I, I want to talk to you about missions, but maybe bring a, a little bit of a paradigm shift uh, we've heard about uh, foreign missions, transcultural missions, short-term trips, and usually when we talk about missions, uh, we, we focus on going abroad, going across country borders into different cultures, and, uh, and also we think of unreached people groups. But I think missions is basically Jesus calling us to others. Um, and we'll see through the word of God that God has a plan for each of us in missions. As we read uh, just now in Acts 1, we're all called to be witnesses of Jesus in Jerusalem, Zurich, in all of Judea, Switzerland, in Samaria, Europe and to the end of the world, speaking of the regions of the world. And this is what we call the universal apostolate. We're all called. Apostolos in Greek means one who is sent. And we have all been commissioned and sent into the world. And we have this commandment five times in the New Testament, four in the Gospels, one in each Gospel, and in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. 
And it says, go. And when I read that, I read that as a commandment. Uh, did you know that we have 1,050 new commandments in the New Testament? We normally pay attention to the 10 that we read in Deuteronomy. I don't know how many of those we keep. Uh, I know we, we try, we strive to keep those 10 commandments. But there are 1,050 new commandments. Pray without ceasing is a commandment. When Jesus says go is a commandment. It's a mandate for the body of Christ. And I believe the church is a divine living body that exists for those who are not yet members. And that's what missions is all about. The body of Christ exists on earth for the main purpose of proclaiming Jesus Christ, making him famous, making him known, especially in our sphere of influence. When we think of the church as Jesus designed it, it has four main marks. And we always talk about them in, in the Greek words, you know, kerygma, diakonia, liturgia, and koinonia. And let me explain that very briefly. Kerygma means proclamation, the preaching of the gospel. That's one of the marks of the church. We see, we see people... Uh, in Islam, Muslims now preaching from pulpits, but preaching is distinct of Christianity. The second mark is diakonia, which means discipleship for service, training for service, because we're all called to serve. The third mark, liturgy, liturgia, and this is what we're doing here today. It's our call to worship as a body in our local communities of faith. And the fourth one is koinonia, fellowship. And this church knows a lot about that. I know what happens after the service <laughs> or before the service. Uh, but interestingly, the th last three marks are at the service of the first one. See, we exist mainly for proclaiming the word of God, not just having good fellowship or an excellent liturgy or great Bible training or Bible studies for the sake of knowing more scripture. All the last three marks are at the service of the first one. So when we think of the body of Christ, it, is, it exists as it does on earth, the universal church, mainly to make Jesus known. And we, when we talk about missions or proclaiming the gospel of Christ, this proclamation has different dimensions. We just heard our sisters as they explained about crossing the borders of Switzerland and going into other countries. And this is what we call transcultural missions, uh, foreign missions. And so that's the, the depth of proclamation, of missions. It's going to the regions of the world. So this would be the geographic dimension of missions. There's another dimension. It's the socio-ethnic dimensions, a dimension going into uh, unreached people groups. You know, there are, I think, 18,000, 7,500 unreached uh, people groups in the world, and 7,400 are still unreached. 
So it's important to talk about foreign missions and support and be involved in foreign missions. But then there is a third dimension that we call the life spheres. And that's where most of us are today. Family, church, school, business, government, arts, media, healthcare, sports, and the list can go on and on. Maybe not all of us have been called to work transculturally, but all of us have been called to work in our spheres of influence. So today I want to focus mostly on the spheres of influence and how God has cleverly disguised us as missionaries. You know, that's our true identity. We are missionaries and we've been disguised as bankers, teachers, homemakers, students. You have been cleverly disguised and God has placed you where you are today, not by coincidence, but by divine design. He wired you, he trained you, he's equipped you for a specific job where he's taken you. John 12, 26 says that, well, it's a, it's a wonderful scripture because it has a promise attached to it. You know, I love that. There are 7,000 promises 7,200 promises in the Bible. Um, but at least half of them require that we do something in order to receive that blessing, to receive that promise. And here in John 12, 26, it says, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And he says, whoever wants to serve me, let him or her follow me. And wherever I am, there my servant shall also be. There my servant shall serve me. So we don't take Jesus anywhere. He takes us places, right? He's taken you to Jamaica and Japan and Cambodia. Um, sometimes we think we're leading Christ. And we're bringing the flag, the banner of the gospel places. And that was my thought when I first came to missions. And God made it very clear to me that he was already in Spain. He was already at work in Spain and Europe and all the places that I've been to. He's already been there. He was just preparing a place, a way and a place for me to do his will. And that word says, that scripture says that if we follow him and we serve him wherever he takes us, he says, and those who serve me, my father will honor. How, how many of us want the honor? Right? I want the honor. But we need to pay attention in which, in the way in which things are said in scripture. There's a particular order in scripture. And uh, we need to pay attention. It says, first follow, then serve, and then receive honor. Um, as, a, as an infantry officer in the US Marine Corps, um, I had to go to the first Gulf War back in 1990. Some of you might remember. I know young people were, some of them were not even born. And uh, I was a, an infantry captain commanding a rifle company, an infantry company of 250 Marines. And I have to say that an unfortunate thing happened in my Christian walk was that nobody ever discipled me and trained me in evangelism or missions. I didn't know how to share the gospel. 
I wanted to share my faith. I, I felt a great burden to share my faith, especially with 18-year-olds who were facing death. I wanted to offer them life, but I didn't know how. And I had a Pauline experience in the desert of Saudi Arabia, just like Paul had a, an experience with the Holy Spirit in the desert for three years. Thank God it didn't take that long for me, only 13 months. And the Holy Spirit taught me ways in which I could reach my Marines with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we started a prayer meeting and only four officers in a small tent. And that prayer meeting grew to 350. And 49 of my Marines, 100, uh, 250 Marines in my company, 49 of my Marines came to Christ. So the Holy Spirit taught me how to turn a battlefield into a mission field. So it can be done. You can do missions wherever God has placed you. And after that, that experience in the military, the Lord took me into the FBI. So I applied the same principles. I said, Lord, how do you do it? You teach me. Nobody ever taught me how to evangelize someone, how to share my faith. I was sometimes glorifying sin more than Jesus. Sometimes I was speaking more about myself than Jesus because I didn't know until the Holy Spirit trained me. And then in the FBI, I was, start a rest. I was in, assigned to Miami, the Miami division. And uh, it's a very interesting place. You know, a lot of things happening there in the criminal world. And so I started arresting fugitives, bad guys, you know, criminals. And it, it's an amazing thing to preach to a captive audience, you know? You have them in handcuffs, they can't go anywhere. They have to listen to you. So I prepared a little evangelistic notebook that I carried in my back pocket and I took everywhere I went. I had to take my gun and my evangelistic notebook. And every time I arrested a criminal, I will tell them about Jesus Christ. So I followed Jesus into the FBI, I served him, he showed me that he had taken me to the FBI not to be an agent for the American government, but for his kingdom. So I started arresting bad guys left and right. And I arrested in eight months 139 fugitives. And 80 of them came to Christ. Now, how crazy is that? That you arrest a murderer, a double murderer, and you tell them about God's love. And the Holy Spirit prompts you to tell that person, I love you in the love of Christ. And that person falls to the floor and starts crying because they've never heard the words, I love you, from the mouth of another human being. But Jesus knew that. The Holy Spirit knows that. He knows exactly what people need. So the question is, how do we understand our call? How to find our calling. And I know Jesus is calling. You know that, right? God is speaking. He's calling. And I'm sure that most of us, if not all, are hearing the call. I think rather the question is, are we obeying the call? What are we doing with the call that we receive from the Lord? Sometimes what we tend to do is to jam that call with all of what we think is important in life. 
And what it ends up being is mainly the noise of our own will. And I think uh, church exists, and, and thinking of my own testimony, my own personal experience, and walk with Christ, the ch church exists also for the equipping of the saints, for equipping, for uh, encouraging, mobilizing, and training believers to be living proof of Christ wherever they are. Paul said to the Philippians, only conduct yourselves in a manner that is worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we are called to reveal Christ through the way we live our lives, the way we handle our finances, the way we handle relationships, the, the way we prioritize. Because the world is in crisis, but we are in Christ. Big difference. We're called to live in a different way. And that is for a purpose. And when we look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it says that Jesus didn't leave the church orphan or unprepared. He actually gave a gift to the church for a very specific reason, for a very specific purpose. It says that Christ himself gave apostles, evangelists, prophets, pastor teachers for one main reason and let me stop there for a moment I don't know if you are familiar with that scripture it says for the equipping of the saints for the perfecting of the saints and Paul takes that word from the Greek vocabulary medical vocabulary katartismos which means to heal broken bones okay and, and I just ask you to think how were our lives before coming to Christ. They were broken. So God has set up a dream team in the church to help recompose lives. You know, to heal broken bones, broken lives. For one main reason, it says, for the works of ministry. So if I asked how many members are in IPC? How many people call this their home, place of worship, yeah, community? So maybe 400, 500? And if I ask how many ministries are there in IPC? Oh, there was, oh, we got about 15 or 20. I don't know. But I think we can change that a little bit and say, no, we have 400 ministries at IPC. Because we all have been called for the works of ministry. And the, Paul, the word Paul uses there, saints, it's a, it's a very specific word. You know, the Holy Spirit picked it for a reason. It says, separated by God for the works of God. That's what saints mean. We, like, we all like to be called saints. Well, get ready. It means you're in training. God is equipping you, and he has equipped you for the works of ministry. Now, I was a captain in the Marine Corps. What kind of training did I receive to be an evangelist in the military? I told you none. Only the Holy Spirit. But it didn't take much, you know. It just took prayer. It took love, caring. 
And we saw these Marines coming to Christ and wanting to, wanting to be baptized in the middle of the desert. Where do you do that? How do you do that? You know? So we took a helmet full of water and baptized over 300 Marines in our battalion, in our regiment. Um, we were the Task Force Ripper was the uh, ground force that had to go into Kuwait to liberate it. So we were going to be the first ones in. And, and these Marines, you should, you should see their faces, how they changed, their whole life changed once they had assurance of salvation. You know, living or dying didn't matter that much anymore because they had assurance of salvation. Now the Lord has equipped us. He's brought this dream team, pastors, teachers, apostles, evangelists. Uh, and, and when I say apostle, you know what that means, missionaries. Modern-day apostles are missionaries that go and open a path for the gospel. It says that he equipped us for the work of ministry. And verse 16 says, from him, referring to Christ, he's the head of the body. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and is built up in love as each part does its work. So we all have a job to do. We all have work assigned to us. Now, that could be in the local church. That could be in the uh, outreach and missions board. That could be in the choir. That could be, uh, of course, we all can't work in the local church. There's not enough room for us to, uh, to have a, a ministry in church. But we're all called, once we leave the doors of this place, to be witnesses of Christ in our spheres of influence. John 15, 8 says, Jesus, again, speaking to the disciples, speaking to us this morning. In this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and therefore be my disciples. So the benchmark is discipleship. It's being a disciple of Christ. And I always ask the Lord, what is the difference between a believer and a disciple? And I got an answer. He showed me that a believer changes opinion. They used to believe in one thing, now they believe in another. That's why God, Jesus didn't ask for us to go and make believers. He said, go and make disciples. A disciple doesn't just change opinion, but he changes his life for the life of Christ. And then we can say, as Paul said, it is not I who lives, but Christ in me. I pastor a church in Malaga. I've visited many, many churches in Europe, in the U.S., and around the world. And I find this type of Christian, I don't know if you know them, I know they're not, we don't have any of those here, triple S Christians. Saved, seated, and satisfied. Well, I saw three young ladies here as missionaries this morning. But God is also looking for a few good men, to borrow a phrase from a saying from the Marine Corps. Jesus is looking for men also. So we need to somehow get ourselves involved. And this is the challenge that I leave to the church leadership. What are we doing here? Are we about creating disciples, building disciples that would bear fruit for Christ and bring glory to the Father? And this is important, you know, to bear fruit 
Jesus said, you did not chose me, but I chose you, and I have sent you forth that you would bear fruit and that your fruit will last. Churches as we know it, ministries as we know them, uh, will cease to exist. Organizations, corporations, governments. But the only thing that will last for eternity are saved souls. So we need to be about the business of winning people for Christ. And I want to challenge, challenge you to become a missionary in your life spheres. You know, I just gave you my testimony of how God how, used me in the military, in the FBI, and then in business for 10 years. And I became an international Gideon. He says, Lord, what am I going to do? I'm going to put Bibles in hospital beds. You know, my company, the company I worked for had 21 hospitals. He says, oh, that's a lot of Bibles that I can move. And everybody that came to a hospital room, they had a Bible. So taking the first step in becoming a missionary, you know what that is? Taking one. Taking one. Believing that God has prepared your heart and your mind. And you should not worry about what you will speak. What you're going to say. Because the Holy Spirit will speak for you. And he's already prepared the heart of someone that he wants you to speak to. In the FBI, I always prayed for divine appointments. And I had to travel armed. So pilots wanted the armed agents up front close to the cockpit and I would always get first class seating but I had prayed for divine appointments and one time um, I'm coming into an airplane and I see the seat that I had assigned and there was a person sitting right next to me you know but, uh, but that was in coach that was in economy because uh, FBI only paid for economy seats you know but the pilot would offer me a first class seat but I felt the Holy Spirit saying, who's going to speak to that person? You prayed for a divine appointment. You know, again, it's great to preach in airplanes because people can't just open the door and leave. <laughs> so pray for divine appointments. Pray for people around you. I baptized a, a, a girl, a Chinese uh, banker. She was working on her PhD and doing an internship here in Switzerland, in Zurich. And a good friend of mine who's a banker, used to be a banker here in Switzerland, preached to her. And he says, you know, now I'm going to turn you over to my good friend Abraham. And he's going to disciple you. And he's going to baptize you. And we baptized her in Jerusalem before she went back to China. How crazy is that? You know? If somebody comes to Zurich, I'm sure you don't have to go into transcultural missions. God is bringing missions to us. He's bringing foreign missions to us. And if we look at IPC, we have a good example of that here today. God is bringing the nations to us. So we need to be somehow committed, not just involved, but committed to missions. God has a plan for you. God has people prepared for you to speak to. And he has also a blessing, an honor that he wants to give you. Jesus did not rally people to a cause, nor did he invoke them to political and or materialistic agendas. He mainly draws himself to us so we can know him and make him known. Let that be the model of our life. Please bow your heads and pray with me. 
Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for making us members of your body, members one of another. Lord, I pray with my brothers and sisters when we come to your throne of grace to ask you for mercy, to ask you, Lord, for directions. Your word says that those who are led by the Spirit are called children of God. We want to learn how to be led by your Spirit, Lord, into divine appointments, into special situations, Lord, that you have prepared for us. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I just ask that you make us a missionary force here in Zurich. And wherever we go, Lord, that we would be bearers of your grace, your power, and your truth. The world is looking today, Lord, for mainly three things. The world is looking for the truth, absolute truth, and they don't know where to find it. They only get post-truth. They're also looking, Lord, for true peace. Not just the absence of war. And they're also wanting to know and experience the power that changes lives. That transforms lives. And Lord, and as a church, we have all three. You've called us, Lord, to deliver them. To those around us. Those seeking you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Lord, that you would... Bring a change to Zurich, to Switzerland, and wherever we go, Lord, and use us. Here I, we are, Lord. Send us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you very much, and God bless you.